Blog Talk Radio.
All right, all right, all right. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Happy Valentine's Day, y'all. We know it's tomorrow, but we're going to show tomorrow, so we're going to tell you that today. We're going to share love with you today. Hey, see? Hey, Alicia girl, I see you playing some real music tonight, opening up our show this evening. Yes, that's that Bobby the Barge. That's that Bobby the Barge. Oh, I love it. I love it. We appreciate you guys yes. coming to kick it with us. I am Miss Felicia. You know I got my right hand. And let me tell y'all, most of the time she is my left, the fabulous Miss Tony. We want to welcome y'all to Let's Chat. I know, right? At least you know. I know we know that Valentine's Day is tomorrow, but I learned something today that today is when all the ladies leave all of our significant others and gather and just celebrate our sisterhood. So that's what we're really? gonna do tonight. We are celebrating sisterhood. Yes, I was surprised. I'm like, I got to let Alicia know. That's what we're doing tonight. We're celebrating our sisterhood. We're leaving all of our significant others outside the sisterhood circle. (laughs) Absolutely. I love it. I love it. We want to welcome you guys to Let's Chat. We got three fabulous guests on today. We are talking that talk about visions, passions, and all that between. Let's open up the show, please. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, y'all, Alicia and I, when we first started our show many moons ago, we celebrated literature because that's what Alicia and I love. We love the words. But our show has evolved, evolved and includes so much more than just literature. So we just celebrate the dopeness of all forms of art, and we do it in a royal way no matter what it may be. Our show allows our guests as well as our listening audience to interact in the intimate, fun, and friendly environment. We get to hear the passion behind what it is that they love to do because you never know who may be listening, and that passion may touch someone else and spark their passion as well. So we thank everybody for joining us. But we want you guys to sit back, relax, get those red cups because we don't judge. It is pre-Valentine's Day, and we celebrate sisterhood. But Leisha always comes up with these topics for our show. And as she said, we have our show of visions, passions, and that between. Now, Lisa, you're going to have to let me in and your thinking the way you formed our topic tonight. So share that with us, please. Well, I actually posted this uh, the other day. I asked, was your vision and your passion the same thing? And some people mm-hmm. say yes, they go hand-to-hand, and some people said no. And so I was interested to see what our guests um, had to say about their passions. Now, this is the thing um, about, for me, my vision and my passion go hand-in-hand. You know, they, they, mm-hmm. they intertwine with each other, and that helps to fuel you know, my vision, my passion, it helps to fuel the things that I want to do, all the things that are in between. But those things uh-huh. in between, I think, can um, gray your vision and your passion. It, it can create a line um, between the two. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, you know, you have to, you also got to watch the people around you. You know, sometimes... If a person does not have a vision for themselves, if they don't have passion for themselves, they can't have it for you. They can't give mm-hmm. you something that they cannot give themselves. So, mm-hmm. 
You know, okay. they don't move the same. They vision ain't the same. They're not committed to their future. They're not committed to their vision. They don't have a fuel for something that's fueling the passion and desire to make these things happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes they may discount you and what you're doing and may discount you and your vision and and mm-hmm. say, okay, well, you know, that's not much of nothing, but listen, if you got vision and you got passion, you are the table to me. And I feel like this, mm-hmm. um, a lot of times you have people that are visionaries. But a visionary mm-hmm. needs somebody that burns that fire, helps them to, mm-hmm. to, to keep going. And those mm-hmm. are the people around you. Those people around you should be igniting that fire every step you take. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. we take steps blindly. We, we can't see our footsteps but we know this is what we're supposed to do. Uh, and sometimes it, vision and passion does require you to take bold steps in the dark. Um, mm-hmm. And that's okay, but you've got to have those people around you um, that can light, light that path for you. And I think that's where, mm-hmm. you know, God comes in when he blesses you with people. He places people in your path to help you know where to go and where not to go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, discernment helps you to understand if that person um, is really part of the direction or is it a distraction to go to the other side? Mm-hmm. That makes sense. It does. And it also, you just sparked me to um, thinking about something. You know, Alicia and I, we always get to talking, and uh, we're going to be interested in what our listening audience feels about this subject. But as you was describing your vision as well as your passion and how they intertwine with each other, you know, on my way home tonight, I was talking to Hubby, and I was telling him how I, I'm i enjoying I, – you know I love editing, Leash. I love taking something and making it the best that it could possibly be. And I love the challenge of that. You know, I may be passionate about it, you know, because I'm passionate as far as learning my craft, always learning my craft. I try to be a sponge in anything that I'm, again, passionate about. But you got me to thinking whether it was actually my vision that, editing is leading me to but I think you can have a vision for one thing and passion about another and I think that fuels both whether it be separate or 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 together you know you can't have one without the other but it doesn't necessarily have to be the same does that make sense absolutely um Mm -hmm. I think it does make sense but uh if you think about it they are the same I think that it just depends on how you move with it. Um, for example, mm-hmm. I have vision and books. Now, I say vision and books, that's the event that I put on, and it's every shade mm-hmm. of leash. You know, it's everything that is me. Uh, I'm a giver. Mm-hmm. I love literature, uh, business, and so I just combined it all together so that I, I just matched it together so that it, it all intertwined. Um, but mm-hmm. what you said mm-hmm. is true. Sometimes people don't have to. Um, intertwined the two. Shout out to Takara Wilson, author Takara Wilson. What she said was her passion and her vision are two different things. She has a vision mm-hmm. of owning a particular type of business, but she has a passion to write, uh, and they're not mm-hmm. combined for her. You know, mm-hmm. but I think it depends on the individual. I'm excited to hear what our guests have to say about that. We have our first fabulous guest. She is a speaker, a life coach, a author, the fabulous Paulette Harper. Welcome. 
Well, hello, ladies. Thank you for having me on. You are so welcome, and thank you for joining us. I'm looking forward to the discussion. Absolutely. Before we get started, I want you to tell everybody a little bit about your literary journey and your work. I definitely. Okay, I definitely will. Well, I have been writing since 2008, and I write um, in three genres, Christian fiction, nonfiction, and children's books. And um, my journey started uh, when I went through a divorce. And my first book explains that process and and that transformation that God brought me through and the healing that I received in that. And so my publishing journey, my writing journey started through through pain, but um, really seeing that God had a purpose in it all. And so since then, um, I've written, you know, more books, but I also do – coaching. I love to coach other aspiring authors how to write, publish, and market their own books uh, as well. I love it. (laughs) Now I have a question. Because, you know, I think everybody has a go moment. And um, we've done a show about this. I think we're going to do another one in 2020. Um, But, you know, your go moment, first time it's a thought, and you're like, yeah, no. You know, it's very important, I always say, to to um, be careful how you speak to yourself. We're always really mindful mm-hmm. of how we speak and treat other people, um, but we don't really pay attention to the things we say to ourselves. And mm, right. so the first time it might be a thought, and we're like, no, I don't have time. No, I can't do that. No, who going to do all that? And then we let it go, and then we have the thought again, and then it's the same thing we we're talking ourselves out of what we should be doing. And then there may be somebody that says, you know, you ought to do this. And they're like, girl, no, I don't have time for that. Now somebody else has told you what you need to do, and you, again, talking yourself out of it. But then at some point in time, there's, there comes a time where it's like, go. And you're like, I'm going to do this. I want to go back to before you started writing, that, that, that go moment for you to say, this is what I'm going to do. What was that like? Ooh, that goal moment was uh, when I had finally accepted that I was going to get a divorce. And being released of that gave me the freedom to then share my truth and share my own journey as to that entire process of being, I was married to a pastor. And so that entire process of going through a divorce, being in leadership, being in ministry and whatnot. But that moment um, when I said he could leave, that was liberating for me. And I began to move in my purpose. And and it it didn't happen overnight. It was definitely a process. But um, I remember sharing with a friend of mine, I said, I believe God wants me to write a story, wants me to write a book. And um, and I just moved in that, not knowing how to do it, what to do, or anything, because I didn't know anyone who could, you know, help me in that area because I didn't know any other authors. But just um, taking God as his, at his word and him, you know, putting that in my spirit and me saying yes to it. But I also knew that saying yes to it was going to make me vulnerable because I had to revisit some um 
past experiences that I had gone through, but I was willing to do it because I had said yes to God. Mm. That's powerful. Now this is Leisha. We have to we have to say who we are because we sound so much alike. <laughs> but I have a, a a question, and I'm glad that you talked about that because a lot of times we think that um, divorce is a bad thing. We think death is a bad thing. Everything that we don't like is negative. I think that mm-hmm. we define our experiences and our process of grieving. We make the decision on how we're going to define that. What was your defining moment when you decided to to come to the understanding that, okay, I'm getting a divorce and this is how I feel about it? Well, for me, um, I didn't, I, you know, I've, I wanted to stay married and, and, um, and I, love the institution of marriage but I realized that um, that particular fit was no longer in God's purpose for my life and even though I fought it all the way I struggled with it um, I resisted it I had to come to the decision that I couldn't one make this man love me no matter what I did what I said how I was He was not going to love me. And so when I accepted that and decided to um, just, you know, be submitted to to the the moment and what I Mm -hmm. thought God was, you know, uh, leading me in, and once I submitted to that, then it was me then, you know, moving and and rediscovering who I was and – rebuilding my life over, moving here, moving there, just doing, um, you know, I was almost like playing checkers, you know, or playing mm-hmm. chess, moving pieces all over, you know, Absolutely. but knowing that God was, you know, knowing that God was orchestrating my life and orchestrating the moves. And so just living in that and knowing that, um, when he says all things work together for good, because they do. Okay. They may not appear like it. It may not seem like it at the moment, but give it time. It's going to work together for good. Absolutely. And I think, you know, a lot of times people deflect their feeling on something onto you. Like this is how you mm-hmm. should feel because this is how I would feel. And this is my thing, you know. And I, I love Medea. I love Tyler Perry, and he always talks about uh, trees and uh, branches and twigs. But he always says, if somebody wants to leave your life, your space, you let them go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that we have a habit of holding on to people because we're holding on to um, our pain. And because we've grown attached to our pain, that makes it harder for us to let go of the things that we need to let go of. Now, my son always calls me petty. I'm not necessarily petty, maybe that little bit, but <laughs> I just feel like I don't have to beg nobody to do nothing. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, um, that's not what I do. Because if I have to go through all of that, if I have to convince somebody who I am and, and my benefit and, 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 and what I bring, then 
that that's you convincing yourself that you need to be somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Because you're really not convincing them of anything. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, the the thing with me at that time was um, I, my husband, I was married for 22 years, and I had met him in high school, so he was my high school everything, okay? Oh, and wow. so, um, yeah, and so all I knew was, you know, him, ministry, my, my kids, and all of that, and so I didn't uh, give myself before, you know, getting married, I was with him, you know, so I didn't give myself a chance to really just, you know, figure out who Paulette was, you know, or even branch out and, you know, or travel and do other things and just kind of discover who I was. And so when I was going through the boards, um, I I, I lost, I lost my sense of identity because it was tied to him. And so, um, yeah, so my identity was tied to him. And so it was hard for me to um, break free of that because then I didn't know who I was without him. And so, yeah. And so that was one of my many struggles. Okay. And so once I had relinquished and said, you know, he could go, then it was, it was a moment of truth for me. Now I, I got to find out who Paula is. I, I have to know that Paula is strong. I have to know that Paula can endure this. I have to know that Paula is an overcomer. I have to know this for myself. And so that's mm-hmm. when I began to do the things that, um, you know, put my life, you know, back in, back in order and then, having God as my anchor, oh, my God, having him as my source and having him as my anchor, because he was really anchoring my soul. Mm. It's funny that you should say that. This is Tony, um, Paulette, because, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here listening to Alicia as she talks about holding on to our pain, and then I hear you talk about not knowing who you were because your identity was tied to him. And my point in all of this is to say that, I think that sometimes, whether you're a man or a woman, you hold on to this pain because that's what you're feeling now. You don't know what you're going to feel once that pain is let go, you know, and I think there's a fear in that, whereas you'd rather feel pain than nothing because the unknown is on the other side of that pain. Does that make sense to you, ladies? Well, I mean, it does, but, I mean, I'm just saying – for me, it was being afraid, you know, because mm-hmm. there's so many emotions when you're going through a divorce. There's so many emotions that you, you know, you have to deal with. It's fear. It's doubt. It's abandonment issues. Right. It is right. being lonely. And so you have to deal with all these components that you, you know, for me, I had never had to deal with before, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. when it came to relationship, mm-hmm. I'll put it like that. And so, um, it wasn't me wanting to hold on to the pain versus me wanting versus me letting go of not knowing the future mm-hmm. because me as an individual, I'm pretty, you know, uh, content with just things staying the way they are 
you know, and mm-hmm. when that wasn't the norm for me, then it's like, oh, God, oh, my God, what am I going to do? You know, it's it, it's like being, um, you know, on this ship and, you know, you're going out and it's all smooth sailing, but then you hit a storm and all these mm-hmm. waves and all the water coming in. And that's how, at that time, that's how I, you know, that's how I was dealing with it. That's how, you know, I was what I was going through and how I was feeling. And, you know, mm-hmm. divorce, divorce is death. It, 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 to me, it's a yeah. to death. When people die, um, depending on how important that person was to you. Like my mom, when she passed, she passed three years ago, four years ago. And you start thinking about your life and and have you done enough and, you start thinking about all these things about yourself um, that that experience has drawn out of you. And it's the same thing with the divorce. The divorce is nothing but a death of a situation. And don't get me wrong now. We're not saying that it's anything wrong with divorce because people have gotten divorced and then got remarried. So to me, divorce represents a death of a, that particular relationship. That, that form of that relationship is over. And there's now a reset period. And you're either going to reset together or you're going to reset apart. But you're going to reset. And whatever y'all had up to that period, that's over. So it it has to evolve into something new and different. And I don't think we we look at things that way when when things happen. Because when change happens, it doesn't feel good at that moment. Not because we don't know that it's necessary, but because we have gotten... Um, so used used to things being a specific way. Now, what was that mm-hmm. growth process for you when you had to say he can go? I need to find me. What was that process like for you, um, being able to step forward into who Paulette is and bringing us what we have now? <laughs> um, that growth. Um, that process, um, you know, at the beginning, it was really, I was crawling because I had to, you know, rediscover who I was and live life alone. Not, you know, God, of course, God was with me, but, you know, live live life alone. This, I was married to this man for, you know, I had met him when I was 14. And so, um, so now doing, you know, doing life alone and then um, one of the things that really um, helped me in my growth was the fact that I had to learn how to, one, love Paulette, and two, enjoy her and find out what Paulette likes to do. And then I had to be comfortable, okay, in my own skin doing life with just me and the Lord, you know. And so that meant going out to places. That meant um, that it was okay for me to go go to dinner by myself or go to the movies or go, play, you know, hear some jazz or go to some concert or some play, you know. And so I found my growth of, you know, rediscovering who I was through going other places by myself and being okay with doing that. And then once um, I got through that piece, then um, growth came when, um, you know, I, 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 because we were pastors of a church, that meant I had to go, you know, I went to, you know, find me another place of, of worship. And so 
dealing with um, that I was no longer, you know, the first lady anymore, and that, um, you know, I'm 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 part of a, a ministry, you know, I'm part of somebody else's church and whatnot. So dealing with um, a new place of, you know, for my spiritual growth, a new place of of leadership, and dealing, you know, dealing with that and accepting that, you know, what it, it's okay. I don't need, I don't have to have those responsibilities anymore. Or period. I don't have those responsibilities anymore. And just really, um, you know, um, zoning in on, you know, my relationship with the Lord and where he was, you know, he was taking me. So I was a, I went from a crawl to a walk, you know, to, to gradually, you know, I began to soar and, and to, into where I am right now. But um, it was, you know, that, process of really finding out who I was and, and growing in my um in my newfound environment and my newfound life and in, in finding that I, I love it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now tell us about this book. I love the color. You know here T and I we book we got this thing about covers. We used to not mm-hmm. we used to try and deny it and not just say much about it. Um, but we're book bougie, and covers are like our biggest pet peeve. But I love that your cover is very clean, crisp, but it says something. You know, I think that the cover has to represent still a voice, a your voice without words. Tell us a little bit about the the book and the choice of the cover. Secret places revealed. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, Secret Places Revealed. Well, um, I wanted it to speak to um, people in the church. And then, um, of course, I wanted to represent, um, you know, two individuals who seem to be okay, but you know, the underline is that, you know, they have issues just like everybody else. But I wanted something that was going to be, um, you know, reflective of, you know, because the, the title in itself, Secret Places, and, and it, 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 it's in bold, you know. And, you know, that readers can't, you know, their eyes go there and it's like, hmm, I wonder what those secret places are. But really just trying to convey to the reader that, um this is something that um, you know they can you know sink their their teeth into and read it and and find some sense of enjoyment as well as a message. And so the cover actually um, it's real special to me because um, my the graphic designer who put the cover together um, had you know found this you know the 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 photos and so the mail cover. Actually, I mean, the male, the model on the cover actually is a model named uh, AC Brown that I met on Facebook, and I didn't know at the time that he was a real actual person, you know, and right. so um, I'm. Yeah, so I met him on Facebook and and uh, got to get to know him and interview him. And so some of his some of the characters um, that Aaron, some of his sayings and his character and his personality really do um, derive from from AC Brown, who's the model on the cover. I love mm-hmm. it. 
I yeah. love it. Absolutely. Now, when you decided to write this book and step out on your own, um, what are some of the things the readers can expect from your pen? Well, um, from this particular book, it's it's um, it's inspirational, and so they can really um, there are you know pockets in here where you know both characters are really being vulnerable. There are um, secrets that both of them have from you know for him, no one knows these secrets about him, but for her, her best her bestie knows her secret, you know, and so um, it's it's one where you can, um, you know, you can dive into and find yourself there. It's it's a combination of, of, of suspense and, and really comedy because there are some, you know, playful moments in there as well. And then um, I want to see, I wanted to show people um, really that, you know, God puts his hands on broken people and restores mm-hmm. their lives and, and that, People can't. One of one of the issues that both of them had is the fact that they were not looking to be in a relationship, and so mm-hmm. for him, he had decided, based on previous a previous you know, relationship that went bad, he didn't want to be in a relationship, and then she had her issues as well of, of not, but knowing that some things that um, were really divine connection in, in, in their lives, but in order for them to have a relationship that was genuine and true, they have to come to grips with those secrets and bring those secrets to light to one another. Ooh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now our topic today is mm-hmm. visions, passions, and all that in between. Are your vision is your vision and your passion intertwined or are they separate entities? I think that um, my vision and my passion, I think they interwine, but then they, they, they have their own purpose. For instance, um, my, my, my vision, of course, is, you know, ministry and, you know, to, to teach and to preach and proclaim the gospel. That's that's my vision. That's the God, the vision that God gave for me. Now my passion is to help aspiring authors write books. That's my passion. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah, and so um, that's one of my passions. And of course, you know, writing in itself. But um, you know, my 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 passion is fueled by um, you know when I see authors, you know wanting to, you know, move in their purpose and move in their their arena of, of, you know, storytelling and they don't know how. And that fuels me to be able to do what I do as far as helping them and, and whatnot. But um your vision your your vision can can change. You know, you may have a vision one time to do a certain things, but then it evolves over over the course of your t- of of years, over your your maturity, your spirituality. So your vision can always, you know, evolve as you grow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree That's with that. Very deep. <laughs> deep, deep tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Over here, first lady deep, y'all. This is, you know, the that's oh, the first lady deep. 
And I think in a nutshell, <laughs> ladies, that um, I know. But in a nutshell, she just, you know, pretty much said what I was saying at the top of the show is that your vision and your passion can be separate, but you feel passionate about both, you know, and they can feel mm-hmm. one another or they can have, like, their own entity, like you said. But, you know, mm-hmm. just, just to be able to know your vision and know your passion mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. a feat in and of itself. Oh, yeah, I totally agree with you. That's, you know, some people, you know, still ask, why am I here? What's my purpose? Mm-hmm. And so once you see yourself through the eyes of God and he gives you a vision for your life and then, you know, fulfilling his will, you know, is is, is one thing. And then him allowing you to have, you know, passions and desires to do other things to help full, uh, fuel, you know, your stream of income or your creative, you know, uh, juices and whatnot. But you have to know what you're, you, you have to know why you're here on earth. And so once you determine why you're here on earth, you're able to fulfill your creativity, you're able to move in your passion and your giftedness, and you're then you're able to really fulfill the vision in which God has given you. Mm. Absolutely. I agree. Mm-hmm. See, that's that first lady deep. Y'all see that right there? Y'all see how she got us all together <laughs> real quick. <laughs> <laughs> she got us together real quick. <laughs> well, you know, here on Let's Chat, we always like to do something a little fun. We like to be able to show uh, all the different aspects of our guests, um, their literary side, their uh, passionate side, their spiritual side. And T always likes to bring out the fun side, so I'm excited because she always comes up with our fun questions. So I don't know what she's going to ask you. But I'm sure okay. First lady five. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> go ahead. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, first, first, Paula, we so enjoyed having you in the chat room tonight, and Lisa, I would love to have her back during one of our mind, body, and soul segments because yes. I feel that she has so much to contribute and to give that she would be mm-hmm. perfect for our mind, body, and soul segments. You know. So. Paulette, your fun question tonight, you know, I've listened to you share yourself, your journey, your ups and your downs, your in-betweens, and it has touched me, and I'm sure it's touched everyone that has heard you tonight, but your fun question is, you are having a dinner, you know, it's all about Oscars and everything going on at this time. You're having a dinner, and you're going to invite three women from the Bible, and I would like to know who they are, what they bring to the table, and why you chose them. Okay. Uh, one would be um, Esther. Now, mm-hmm. Esther, yeah, Esther. In order for Esther to go to the king, you know, she had to prepare herself for a whole year. And that means she had to beautify herself, bathe, and, and put on fine perfumes and whatnot. And so mm-hmm. I definitely, it definitely would be Esther because she knew that she couldn't approach the king any old kind of way. She knew she just couldn't come in the presence of royalty, just in her old rags, you know, not prepared, you know, emotionally, spiritually, her heart and everything. So definitely, Esther, she shows grace and how to properly prepare 
to enter the presence of the king. And then um, another one would be Ruth. Ruth was, yeah, Ruth was the type of woman that um, was very determined to um, go past the norm. She was very determined mm-hmm. to go past the norm. And Ruth, mm-hmm. I felt I, she had this inner strength that um, made her to be what, known in the Bible. So definitely mm-hmm. Ruth and her strength. And then um, another one would probably be, oh, Deborah, the king. Deborah, she was actually the one of the judges. Yeah, Deborah. So mm-hmm. Deborah was judge. And so Deborah mm-hmm. had authority, she had responsibilities, and so she represented the leadership um, in um, in the Bible. And so for Deborah, it was really having the um, anointing to lead and not being judged because she was a female, but be- she was judged because she could do the job. Mm. Absolutely. You know, I'm glad that wow. she asked that question and, and you talked about those three ladies because a lot of people don't talk about women in the Bible and how a lot of women in the Bible had um, strong positions. Um, mm-hmm. And they don't they don't talk a lot about that. They kind of put it off to the side. So I'm glad that you brought, a, brought those three to light and was able to spotlight them uh, and their contribution. Um to, to just spirituality uh, and religion at the same time, and just showing the growth and the strength of women. You know, a lot of times mm-hmm. I, I think that lately we've been put in in the light of spotlight of being our strength being shown. But you know, so a lot of times it it they show our nurturing side, and our strength side is is a bit much for some. Sometimes this is my opinion, but we all we operate in a masculine and feminine energy. Everybody does, and I think that mm-hmm. as a strong woman, a lot of times you have you operate in your masculine energy, um, and sometimes they forget to know that we have both, and then sometimes we forget that we have both. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes, too, people um, kind of, you know, can misconstrue that mm-hmm. as well and and not recognize that it's a, it's a quality and it's not a bad quality at all, you know, and it's a quality that God, God gives us. I mean, just like, just like the male, he has a a soft quality, a feminine quality as well, but he, because of society and what other people say, they tell him, suppress that. Don't let people see that side of you. Don't let people see your, you know, your tears or your, or your, you know, your, you may be weak in the air. Don't let people see that because they attribute that to being weak when a, with a man, but they expect that from a woman. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes, ma'am. See, 
There she go again. Got us right on together. We're gonna have to. We're gonna I have know. to have you back. We definitely gonna have to have you back. We're gonna oh, do a mind, body, and soul segment. I would love to. We're gonna get you out here blowing folks' minds, putting them right on together. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Right on together. Absolutely, you know, and you know, Paulette, this is Tony once again, but, you know, you talk about the society, how they view men, but sometimes a man has to be himself in his own kingdom, you know, be able Mm -hmm. to show all sides of him, and that queen Mm -hmm. beside him, she she is there to to nurture all sides of him, so. Oh, I I, I totally agree. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We definitely have you back. Yes, I totally agree with that because there there is power in that right there. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, Thank I you love so that. Yeah. Now before well, we you go, we want to shout out. Oh, go ahead, see. <laughs> we doing a, We're on the same mindset, you know. We've been working so long together. We read each other's minds. <laughs> but please shout out all your social media so that everyone within the sounds of your voice can follow you, support you, and let them know where they can download your books. Yes, definitely. Well, they can go to Facebook. Um, my Facebook page is uh, Pastor P, Pastor Paulette. I'm on Twitter and IG, uh, Paulette Harper. They can um, email me if they choose to, Paulette at PauletteHarper.com. And they can download copies of my book on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and any on, online uh, retailer. Hmm. Awesome. Well, thank I you once again for joining it. us. Yes, well, I you gave us a talk. You got us right together. Let me tell you. <laughs> you got us together. Well, you got me together. You got me together. <laughs> well, I want to thank you two together. ladies. <laughs> it has been my pleasure to uh, share this evening with you guys. Thank you so much for having me on. You are so very welcome. And come back and join us. I will definitely do that. Thanks again. You are so very welcome. Have a great evening. Have a good night. (laughs) Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Yes, I love it. Honey, Mm -hmm. got us together, y'all. Y'all ain't hear that? If y'all just tuning in, welcome to this chat. But if y'all didn't hear how she... How she got us together, I'm going to need you to go back to the archives right here on blogtalk.com. You can also catch us on iTunes as well as iHeartRadio and let her get y'all together too. I'm just saying. Absolutely. I enjoyed that, Leash. She brought yes, so that much was to refresh- the chat room. That was a refreshing, yes, that was a refreshing get together. Like, listen. And then you see how she this got her like, first lady deep on us. I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tonight. <laughs> You know, when you do that little soul rock where you like, mm-hmm, and you just nod your head like, mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. Welcome to Let's Chat, y'all. I am Miss Lisa. You know, I got my right hand, and most of the time I left the fabulous Miss Tony. We just have the dynamic speaker, coach, author, pastor, Paulette Harper on here on the Let's Chat. If you missed her interview, no worries. Head over to our archives and be able to catch that interview in its entirety. We have our next fabulous guest, author Deshay Lanier. I'm going to have to get that name right because you know, T. Y'all know we can mess the name up, but we're going to have to be clear on her name so that we don't mess it up. 
and if we actually really want to do if we really want to do what we want to like actually want to do in life we have to work hard because working hard and like working very hard actually gets you where you want to go at so when mm-hmm. I told my parents that I actually wanted to be a writer and an author my mom said well if you want to do this you have to take this really seriously while also trying to finish school off you're a junior at high school black Mm-hmm. I think I think we're losing you, Dashie. You're breaking up. Okay. Okay, hold on. I'm so sorry. Okay. Can you guys hear me now? Yes. That's my sweater. Okay, I'm so sorry. I was in the cafe, okay. uh, in the cafeteria at the moment when y'all called me. But okay, so what I was saying for my basically my parents were my biggest inspirations. They pushed me mm-hmm. and my siblings to be the best and to always work hard and to believe in ourselves as well. They they're our biggest support team. So when I told them that I actually want to be a writer and author. My mom sat me down. She was like, okay, since you want to do this, you actually want to make this into a career, you have to work hard in school also and actually get your mm-hmm. grades up, which my grades wasn't bad, but to her, they could be so much better because she knows I could do so much better as a student and as right. a kid at home. So right. she was teaching me how to, like, how to mature up and take into my own decisions while doing while being in school because I can't slack off into something that's very, very serious. Mm-hmm. That's so and that was true. the same thing for my dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all I can say. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, being in school and being an author, a published author at that, it takes a lot. How do you balance all that that your parents want you to make sure you stay, you know, on top of, like, your grades, your classes and everything and writing because it takes a lot out of you. How do you balance everything? Uh, I can say the biggest key for me is time management, which is that's a very good thing right now as we go into classes and try to schedule uh, time for, like, for me to actually write down or to talk into, like, do call-in interviews. I have to, like, really look at my schedule and schedule every time that where I'm not, like, busy with class or busy with events that I'm in because I'm in a lot of clubs now in college. And, mm-hmm. yeah, that's all I can say is time management. I learned how to manage my time and learn how to, like, tell people I can't do this because I have something scheduled around this time. I have, like, I actually have something I have to do. I have a deadline I have to complete. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. I also want to know, how did it feel when you became a published author and you actually held your book in your hand with your name on the spine? Share that first moment with us. Let me think about that. (laughs) That was was over in the – okay, it was towards the end of my senior year, and I was too busy focused on basically getting my graduation cord it, my honor course and my cap and gown and everything and get it situated to like actually finish mm-hmm. it up my last two exams and when my father called me in the room and he showed me my book I was very very shocked because it was like maybe like the week two weeks before I actually left school in order to get ready for the big day where I actually am finally an adult now 
it was kind of shocking to me. I didn't really cry. I was jumping with joy. I was really, really happy because I was like, I'm still in, I'm still in high school, and I'm mm-hmm. 17. I'm 17. I just wrote this book. I'm not even 18 yet. I haven't even stepped in college yet. And the fact that <laughs> this is a this is a big remark, a big gift, like one of the biggest uh, college gifts that I ever had because I'm about to leave high school as a published author. Wow. It sounds exciting. (laughs) Yeah. And that's all I really could think of because I was like, not a lot of kids Mm -hmm. actually have published their books. And Mm -hmm. I'm the only one out of my class that actually did that. And then I'm going to college too. That was really, really exciting Mm -hmm. for me. But yeah, that's all. (laughs) It should be exciting because that's quite an accomplishment. You know, and since you've become, uh, this is still Tony, since you've become an author, has it been everything that you expected it to be? Is it something different? How has it been as an author? Uh, it's been kind of rough with me because at first I was really, really excited, but as soon as I get finished another book, I have to, like, start on a new one because I really want to get mm-hmm. my books out. I want to have to start a new one and then topple that, which goes back into classes that I take and everything, and then actually study for other classes. So it's kind of hard for me to stop where I'm at, where I place a deadline on myself to finish. As of right now, mm-hmm. now it's been better, but before I kind of struggled with this book that we're going to recently talk about because it's been a struggle for me to actually continue, and I'm kind of glad that I actually finished this book. Mm-hmm. And But as an author right now, it's it's actually kind of refreshing is to say. It's not, it's, not, it's not like all I hope for is for the worst. I actually hope for the best. This is what I dream to be, and this is what I place for myself when I was little going up, I think when I was 11 all the way up to like now. So about seven years, this is what I hoped for. Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely. And now with that being said, tell us about the book. Okay. So the title is It All Falls Down. And I created the title of the nursery rhyme, Rigorot the Rosies. Mm-hmm. I kind of based it off that on my character because her life is like Rigorot the Rosies, pockets full of posies, ashes, ashes, we all fall down. Basically, she's going. She's having the time of her life good throughout her childhood, but as soon as everything goes bad for her, ashes, ashes, we all fall down. Her life, herself, she felt herself going down. And it's about my character based off the second book that I created was John and Michaela. I never really got to finish that book on one character's point of view, which is the girl's point of view. I really stuck with the guy's point of view. And a lot of people never really got to, like, hear her storyline about how she became this kid that came out of rehab that was a drug addict because she had mental health. It started from the day she was born all the way to her her last outbreak where she basically almost overdosed and almost passed away. Mm. But she oh, wow. recovered from it because her parents put her into rehab. So it takes wow. takes place on an actual seven sixteen seventeen year old girl who goes through these things where there's a lot of a lot of events that happen with her family, especially mm-hmm. there's also uh, sexual abuse 
uh, friendships being broken, uh, relationships being broken by her father, mostly too. Her parents, she doesn't have a lot of trust with her parents, nor, not even her sister for real. She felt self-regard, like she felt like this guard being pulled down by any, anybody that she trusts. And that's what it really talks about, mental health and sexual abuse and all that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, I, I want to get into the process of, of writing your books, only because you do so much for school. What is your <laughs> writing process like? How how do you create your characters? Um, where does the, the passion and the vision come uh, for putting your books together? When I first write my books, I always, first for the setting of where I want to write them at, is where I really sit in my room or somewhere quiet and actually think down and write some little little note ideas that I think would be good for a story. And then I look on my phone or on TV and look at the news or anything like television-wise, and I see stuff that's been reoccurring. And a lot of stuff that's been re- reoccurring over the past last year, 2019, Still, 2020 is mental health. And throughout my high school year, mental health was a big, big, huge factor throughout my school because a lot of kids have been dealing with a lot of issues with themselves and a lot of suicide, suicidal attempts that are happening around our school. Mm-hmm. And a lot of friends of mine have dealt with a lot of mental disorders that they can't mm-hmm. control and adults never really looked at. And a lot of students don't really look at too because they don't take it serious because nowadays people think they just a um, cry of help, not really a cry like for actual help, just the boy who cried wolf. That's what they basically just propose that to believe. And there's not yeah. a lot of stories that people talk about that, whereas mental health is a big, huge factor for nowadays for our generation because not every kid is going to be happy. And nobody really knows what's happening inside of another person's life. And nobody really reads that nowadays in books. They always make books to be happy, like fairy tales or dystopian, like where like what would happen in the future if the world was upside down, if the United States was taken over by a alien apocalypse and all that type of stuff. There's not a lot of books that talks about actual kids, a, care, a realistic character, realistic fictional character that actually can relate to real-life situations nowadays for students to read. And when I was writing about that, when I was writing some ideas back, I looked on, I seen a lot of, on the news that there was a lot of kids that committed suicide, even younger younger kids in elementary schools actually mm-hmm. have committed, the, committed suicide in school because of bullying or sexual mm-hmm. harassment or right. cyberbullying and all that type of stuff. And when I looked at the stuff and I read the books that I read, I never really seen a lot of books that I read that talks about this stuff. Or if they do, they just mention about it once or twice, and then it's just going on to the next character or the next situation in a story. Right. And I just right. sat down and I got to the thing. I was like, I want to do this because I'm actually a victim of mental health. I have panic attacks. I have issues where mm-hmm. I have troubles with myself, and I do I'm better now than I was when I was in middle school, when I was like in elementary school and middle school, but it got worse when I was in high school because of people that I hanged out with. And that's where I kind of result that it's my character as well because she goes through that with people that she connected herself with. And that's how I created the wow. book based on me and other kids that dealt with this situation. Wow. Mm-hmm. wow. 
That's deep. And you know, the, you, what you said about connecting yourself with particular people is so true. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times when we place people around us, we're not paying attention to the type of person that we're placing around us. Everything should be done within an intent, with intent. Um, and if they aren't pushing you to greatness, they're most likely people that we should avoid. But most of the time we don't. You know what I'm saying? Especially yeah. as kids. Most of the time we, you know, kids don't look at it as, does that person push me to greatness? Um and adults don't either, you know, and a lot of times we justify bad behavior or lack of integrity and different things that we do, um, but you have to have those people around you that keep you accountable. I'm glad that you have your parents there. They surround you and they keep you accountable and they teach you how to grow and they help you to grow at the same time. You know, they give you that guidance through that process for you. What was the mm-hmm. hardest part about writing your book um, when when you sat down to really get into the meat and potatoes? Uh, yes, well, I couldn't really hear you. Something happened around the call, but what did you say? That's okay. What was the hardest part about writing your book when you sat down to really get in the meat and the potatoes of it? What was really hard was actually going talking about the real, real issues, the, the gross tech parts of mental health, whereas cutting and basically uh, eating disorders or actually doing the actual drugs in the book, because I actually do talk about it, actually relate my character because she actually does those things. She does take the darker path than actually taking the lighter path where she could better herself. And when I was writing those things, it just I when I write my stories, I actually have a clear imagination of what I like what I see in the setting and what I see what's going on in the direction of what I'm gonna write. It kind of sickens me because it hurts me to see that stuff actually happen. And it kinda of pays me the fact that there are kids that are like this, and then it also makes me take the break because I feel it makes me think about the stuff that's actually what I'm writing is actually real, and that mm-hmm. not everybody sees the stuff happening behind closed doors, and that a character can like a person could just create themselves as a new different person, basically create the. Uh, I can't speak right now because it's giving me shivers because this this is what I mean. <laughs> It kind of soaked me, and I can't really talk about it because I can relate to it so much. I never really did any of that stuff at all. All I have is panic mm-hmm. attacks, but I know people that actually had the thought and the idea of actually cutting themselves, killing themselves, stabbing themselves, basically hurting themselves, or trying to make right. themselves feel better because they're not dependent on what other people think or what their parents think or what they believe they are. Mm-hmm. Still, into like social peer pressure or social anxiety mm-hmm. in themselves. And when I wrote write about it, it's I pushed through it because it's hard to talk about stuff that's really, really, really. I often really want to like limit yourself on. I like right. my stories not be limited on. I like to be mm-hmm. limited. I want everybody to actually read it and actually feel what 
I feel through the writing. Because I put mm-hmm. the tone into the paper, and I want them to read my attitude throughout. And that's all I can say about that. Wow, oh, girl. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's pretty deep. Be so young, <laughs> right? I have to say, be so young. You're very in tune uh, with just emotional level. Uh, of your writing and what it means when you actually sit down and write these different scenes out. So we are so very proud of you. Um, Thank you. It takes, it's hard and it, it takes a lot. That's like a step that a lot of grown-ups don't take to really get in tune with the their emotional side. Yeah, well, you because know, yeah. what I was... Uh-huh. Oh, I'm so sorry. Y'all you. you. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, when I was writing the story out, I let my father read the, the parts of it. I told him about what I was going to write, even my mother, and they they were very, very shocked from, of me to actually talk about these things because not a lot of kids nowadays really want to talk about it. And if they talk about mm-hmm. it, it's like it's a burden or it's just something that's it's something to be ashamed of rather than True. not to be discussed about. Mm-hmm. And my parents actually congratulated me on actually speaking the, on the fact of it because for me being so young to actually step up to actually talk about something serious like that, they actually gave me props for it, actually congratulated me on that because the fact that their daughter took actually took the stand up, actually wanted to write something and it, like not limit herself onto things that people might not like rather than read on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you're absolutely right. Now, we love to do a little things, uh, a little, some things that are fun here on Let's Chat. Um, we like to be able to show all sides of our guests. So, T is going to give you a fun question. I'm excited because I never know what she's going to ask. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's it. You have shared so many facets of you, and to be so young, and they have been very soul-stirring. So with that being said, I'm going to give you a, a fun question. You are one color or even two colors and a huge big box of 64 crayons, from the darkest to the lightest and all in between. What color would best describe you and why? And you can even mix the colors if you want, but which color would describe you and why? Hmm. I never really, wow. <laughs> well, I would say gold. Oh. Because okay. I'm just, I think the world, to my to me, is golden in my way, that every color mm-hmm. is, uh, how do I say this? <laughs> it's like everything is not really how it's supposed to be right now. Everything's not beautiful how it is, but how the way I see myself in my world, I feel like everything is golden, it's perfect, it's shiny and new in my creative mm-hmm. mind, actually, They're rather than the realistic world. Because every time I step in the realistic world, I actually vision myself so where I can, like, feel myself grow with it. And that's why I connect wow. gold to me. Because I'm a golden star. I do not need to be a shiny silver person, really. I see 
see myself as a golden star, as the golden person that outshines everybody else. And that's where I also connect yellow because I'm a very kind and caring person and I actually mm-hmm. brighten the world and brighten everybody around me. So yeah. You said a go, girl. You hear that? Yes. We ain't never yes, had a gold honey. in the chat room. <laughs> talk that talk. I love it. I would say red, but when I connect red, it's kind of like a fury, just kind of like an anger color, and I'm not really angry, and I cannot connect myself blue, where it's like kind of Mm -hmm. mood, it kind of gloomy and everything. Sometimes blue Mm -hmm. can be gloomy, sometimes blue can be happy, but on my perspective of blue, it's kind of gloomy, and Mm -hmm. it's, it's a beautiful color, but it's straight sadness, and I'm not a person that could be sad every once in a while. Right. So. Like when a person say, I'm feeling blue, they're feeling sad. But I love that gold color and your explanation behind it. <laughs> Thank you. Well, we so appreciate you coming to kick it with us in the chat room. We want you to shout out all of your social media where everybody can get your books and any events you have coming up. Okay, well, uh, you can find my books on Amazon. Just go on Amazon, type my name, Dashe Lanier, D-A-C-H-E-L-A-N-I-E-R. My three books should be popped up. Uh, the first book is Marie. That's about Black Lives Matter movement, basically racial profiling, gender, and um, issues going on with the community. And my second book is Jonathan McKayla, which follows up with the third book, too, because that's the actual book. The third book is a prequel to Jonathan McKayla, which is about Michaela's story and John's story. It's a love relationship. It's a relationship based on mental health, where two kids who are broken and started trying to create something together, where at the end they, it fails. And mm. that's all. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Well, we are so proud of you, just like Leisha said. So you keep up the fantastic work, and you are welcome back here anytime, okay? Okay, thank you. You are so very welcome. You have a good night. You too. Okay, good night. Good night. Leisha, I want to say that we have had Wonderful sisterhood tonight, and I don't know if you realize it, but we've had both spectrums from two different age brackets that have dropped some deep seriousness in the chat room tonight. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I love, I love it. I love strong women. I mm-hmm. love to be able to hear um, the different extremes uh, from mm-hmm. from adults. To uh, young adults, you know, because a lot of times yes. we don't we don't connect or we don't think that they're connecting where we where we think they should be. Um, but she she mm-hmm. does show mm-hmm. us that some young people are connecting and they're being mm. more in tune uh, to to what they should be doing and what they want to do. Right, and she talked about some deep subjects in her book with the mental health, you know, and and it. The spectrum that it it surrounds even our young elementary school kids with the cyberbullying, the just bullying in particular, mm-hmm. and how they handle it, you know, is so important. And it's and I'm so happy that she at a young age because she's not that far removed from that age that she can 
put it in a book and verbalize it for all those that can read and even parents that can read the book to, to, to know that they're not alone. Absolutely, absolutely. I love it. We're going to take a brief break because y'all know what? Tomorrow is Valentine's Day, and we want to celebrate love. And y'all know on Valentine's Day, grown people like to be grown. So we're going to wind it up a little bit. We'll be right back. Baby, show me how you sexy wine it. Yeah, yeah.
alright, alright, alright. Yeah. Yes, we are back. We are back. Welcome to Let's Chat. I'm Miss Felicia. You know I got my right hand, and most of the time she is my left. The fabulous Miss Tony. That was wind up by the fabulous Xavier Lewis. We love it when he comes into the chat room. He always brings us some good music. Valentine's Day is all about love, but we know y'all winding it up tomorrow, so we have to make sure we put that out there for y'all. Let y'all listen to that for a spell. We got our next fabulous mm-hmm. guest in the chat room. We love it when he comes up in here. Superstar K. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. Hey, how y'all doing? We are good. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thank y'all for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, more than welcome. Okay, you got to let us know what you've been cooking in your creative kitchen. What you what you been cooking? Um, I'm actually <laughs> I'm in the middle of a session right now. I had to put it on pause because I, I couldn't miss this. But uh, I'm working on a couple of uh, miscellaneous projects right now that I'm, I don't plan on really dropping so no music this year. I gotta take some time for the family, but I'm I'm cooking up a lot of stuff right now. I'm maybe like 50 or 60 songs in, whatever, about another 100 or so to go, 40 years out. Wow. So when you're creating music, though, how does that process work? So if you have about 60, 70 songs and you decide to sit down and put your album together, how do you know what needs to stay and what goes? Um, Honestly, I usually, like, get the team uh, together and we'll just sit and and. Like, I, I pitch the vision to them for what I want for the project, like what kind of mood I wanted to put people in and how I wanted to take them on this kind of roller coaster and so forth. And so we'll sit and listen to it and we'll decide what tracks that ever actually get that job done effectively, what we feel like they'll be able to relate to the most, while at the same time still allowing me to deliver a project that is still me. You know, it's not any, oh, well, you know, I heard about this, so, you know, whatever, but... um. Yeah, I get to go ahead and deliver pieces of me or whatever at the same time while being able to relate to the fans, whatever they do listen, and, um, you know, meet, meet in the middle somewhere. Mm. Absolutely. So what can people expect from this album? From the one I just dropped? Yes. Or the next? Oh, okay. The one I just dropped whatever, is mostly... Uh, after the first album, whatever, it was a lot of, like, pain and, and so forth from um, the loss of my son. So for this one, whatever, it's like, you know, I still got them on my heart, whatever. There's certain songs where I still reference them, but I'm also trying to get back to being a normal me. And I'm mm-hmm. uh, delivering tracks, whatever, that show pieces of normal me. While I still letting them know that I'm still going through the grieving process as well. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, when you sit down, when you sat down to uh, put this album together, what were uh, some of the healing process uh, processes you went through um, in creating it? Mostly for this one, I I did something that I never really do, which is uh, I did a lot of solo recording to where like I just I locked myself in the studio to myself. I didn't want anybody around. And I just, like, focused on whatever that mood was per song. So if it was a song where I wanted to vent about, 
in my past relationships, I would do exactly that without anybody around me, not having to explain myself, no judgment, nothing like that. And I just went forward with, you know, every song whenever I would do that. So I would take a day and I'd knock down two or three songs and I'm just in a specific mood. And then the next day, I, you know, it's like, it's kind of like an actor getting into character. I just had to figure out what mood it ever, you know what I'm saying? I wanted to be able to spend about that day because I'm dealing with so many emotions at once. So I just picked it, you know what I'm saying? The thing that I was like, okay, well, this is how I'm feeling today. So I'm going to go ahead and go in off of that. And then the next day, it's like I'm feeling a little bit better. I'm going to go ahead and, you know, get some of those tracks out and so forth. So it was just a lot of being by myself motion. That's pretty deep. Now, this is Tony. You know, thanks so much for sharing that with us. But you say you go into the studio by yourself. You're pretty much solo. And, and you're going through what it is that you go through because our show tonight is Visions and Passion. Now, when you're going through that and mixing your music and making your music, who are you singing to? Is it an audience of yourself? Who are you? Who are, who is your target audience that fuels your passion to to put out the best that you can? It it'll typically depend on the type of track because like there are some tracks that I make and I'm like okay I want a lot of people to feel this, but then there are certain tracks mm-hmm. where it's like okay this is for a specific person in my life or that was in my life right. and I'm not as critical of what other people think as long as I feel like I'm making that person proud. Like I have a dedication to my brother Dan that passed. I have two of my brothers, Dan, if I, and um, mm-hmm. I have a dedication to them. So on that track, whatever, there's not, there's a chorus, whatever, and then, like, just an instrumental uh, uh, piece on there. And I I did that more so because it was what was in my heart. So it's not so much a fan reception of the track itself. It's just more of what I was going through. Then there are other tracks that were, like, Better Man, where I was dealing with um, – being rejected by someone that I really cared a lot for, and then in time, the roles kind of reversed a bit. You know, they wanted to try and patch things over, work things out, and I was no longer interested, you know what I'm saying, because I had moved on to something mm-hmm. else, or they were like something that mm-hmm. made me happy. And so it's, it's more so a thing of whoever, you know, that specific track is for, whatever, I, I more so aim it at them but I try to also find a way that others can relate in the same way and, and put their situations or put their, put my views, whatever, you know, to where they can see them as well. Or so. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the beauty of being a, an artist where you can be targeting one, but you can also make it relatable to all, if that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely, I try hard with that, whatever, because I want other people to be able to feel it as well. But, you know, sometimes whatever they, they do, whatever then, you know, every now and then there's a track or two where they're like, mm, you know, it wasn't bad, whatever, but I couldn't really get into it too much. I don't really take it too hard, whatever, mm-hmm. because, you know, each song or each, each every time I'm trying a different style of music, it's, it's always a bit of a gamble, whatever, but as long as the people that it's for like it, then I feel like I'm doing a good job, so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because then you have others that say, oh, man, he was talking directly to me. It's like, how did he know I was going through that? How did he know I needed to hear that? You know, it all depends on the ear that's listening. Mm-hmm. I definitely appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Now, you're working on your next album. Uh, what can we expect about on, on that album? You got about 60... Uh, to 70 songs that you're working on now. What can we expect on that next one? 
Well, on the first album, I did 30 songs um, because I had a lot to express. Second, I had even more to express, so I went with 60. But on the third one, honestly, I don't have too much planned out for it yet. I know it won't be released until sometime late next year. Um, mm-hmm. In between time, I got, like, a bunch of mini projects that will be coming out. Um, but, like, mostly for this year, I'm focusing on, like, my son working on his project and um, my brothers, they've got, like, projects and stuff coming out, so I'm more so focusing on theirs right now. But as mm-hmm. far as my next, whatever, I'm definitely going to put my best foot forward because originally I planned on just releasing three albums, and so this one will be the third. And I have to see from there if I'm going to do anything else. But, um, yeah, I, I know it's definitely going to be my best work today because I've had a lot of time to work on my craft and get better and try new things. Like, I've, I've got a lot of songs right now that I wish I could release, but I'm like, I just dropped the album in November, so I don't want to do that yet. But <laughs> but it's a lot mm-hmm. of new things that I've tried and a lot of things to be working. So, yeah, I just, I mean, a lot of experiments and, and, and um, you know, more me pouring my heart out, whatever, and, and just telling people about the things that I'm going through, the things I've gone through, and things that I can relate to others with whatever, and sharing their pain for a moment on each track. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Wow. Now, mm-hmm. recently I was able to, I have EP Folk, who is an L.A. producer. Um, uh, he shared a little bit about uh, Games UK Tour. So the game is on tour in UK. And he gave us just a little glimpse of uh, tour life. Um, for you, what is that process like? Are you going to go on tour um, with all three of your albums? Yeah. I didn't do it with the first. I did a few shows. Um, more so, I was still going through so much emotionally when the album dropped. I didn't honestly think the album would get released. So I definitely um, didn't get to do one with that. Um, I'm working on a few different videos for the album that just released, uh, the second album. And working on um, finishing up the last few touring details though, because the tour will definitely be coming um, soon. Whatever I'm thinking, probably spring, summer. But right now, I'm just I'm trying to get more and more venues together. Um, both me and my management, whatever, are trying to get those together. I just relocated. So it's kind of an adjustment getting used to being here now because I was in Cleveland last time I spoke uh, to you guys, whatever, and now I'm mm-hmm. in Pittsburgh. So it's, it's a... It's not far from each other, but it's still a big change, whatever, in the environment, and, you know, having to network with different people out here and build relationships and so forth, whatever, um, both here and keeping the ones that I have in other places. So um, it's the process, whatever, itself, to me, whatever, is always a iffy one because it, it takes a toll on you to travel a lot. As a person that does travel, like, often, I can say that I know that it takes a big toll on you uh, as far as energy, but it's always exciting because you meet so many new people, people that haven't heard the music before, whatever, that, you know, are opening their eyes to it for the first time and they're loving it. And then you've got people that come along and they're like, oh, I've never, you know, uh, I've, I've heard, you know, of you before, whatever. I didn't know you were this good at ever live. Like, I thought it was just studio. And then you got some people that have been hearing your music for quite some time and, they love it, and they show up to the event, and, you know, it's, hey, whatever, you know, I've been waiting to meet you, whatever, like, I've been down to meet you, whatever, like, you know, I, I love your work, whatever, I want to work with you, and, 
you know, so forth and so it's it's always like a, mm-hmm. a big surprise whatever but it, it's always an event, like no matter where I go. You know, it's always mm-hmm. an event. I just try to make the best of it or whatever, try to make people happy, whatever all around me and uh, enjoy myself. People to come with me at the bright light for them to enjoy themselves as well. And just have fun. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now this is Tony. You know, you talk. I, I love how you approach your 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 musical career, and you say you're working on up to about seventy songs right now. Now, how do you determine and how do you pick the songs that end up on your album? I mean, what comes first, the flavor of the album, the songs? How do you determine and how do you bring it all into one album to make it a success? Like typically, I choose like okay, if I want. Like, with my first album, I knew it was going to be 30 songs. But, it, like, it was my first time singing. It was my first time, like, really releasing any songs or anything like that. So, mm-hmm. with the first one, it was a little easier because it was just a matter of, okay, put these songs together, um, you know, and see how that goes. But then there's projects in between that I released, and they kind of gave me more insight on how to deliver the album itself. So, with the second album right. coming, I was sitting... And I'm like, okay, well, if I'm going to do 60 songs, that's a big project. Like, it's a triple disc. So I'm like, okay, how do you want to do this there to make it uh, ride the best way? So what I did was, instead of, since it's going to be 60 songs for the album, I prepared 120 tracks for it. Like, I always double wow. them out, whatever, and get them fully done, and then sit, and then I sit with the team, and we go through every track, and we decide what's going to fit the mood for that one. But then, with mm-hmm. my tracks, like, with my album being so big, it's always a thing where, okay, we want them to ride a certain way. So we may want the project, like, as a whole, to start off with a more mellow tone and then start to turn up a bit. And then we might want it to, you know, go back down a little and then come back up and take you on kind of a way. So if you're listening to it from front to back, you're not just stuck in a depressed state or you're not stuck in a really happy state and then it just crashes down. We want to make sure that it rides a certain way. So we'll get all of the tracks together. We'll pick out the ones that need to go for the album. And then we'll check out the tempos of the uh, tracks, whatever, the mood, the content, everything. We're, like, analyze it for days. And sitting mm-hmm. like, okay, one person to do this one, one person to do this two, another person to do this three. And we're sitting like, okay, well, we think these tracks will work the best for this, this. Well, we think these will work the best for the second. This will work the best for the third. And then we'll sit and listen to it. And the album is three hours and 15 minutes. And so we sat, wow. you know what I'm saying, like, we're taking road trips from – Pittsburgh to Michigan, just listening to the album front to back and being like, okay, well, yeah, this song can go after that one instead, you know, just analyzing some more or whatever and just seeing how it will be at ever at. We'll play it at a house party, you know what I'm saying, just to see how it will ride here. And then we'll go, you know, different uh, different types of events and stuff, whatever, to see how people react to certain songs here and there. We might just get it played, like we want to be performing, we just have the DJ to play it. And then um, we'll see how people react and ever in the kind of move it and put them in and then go from there. But if we just start making a list again, like, and then that's the final. Wow, a lot goes into it. <laughs> yeah, it, it, they're pretty big. So we typically have to take more time. I don't want it. Like, we never want an album to sound like we just made a bunch of songs and put them together. We want it to be right. able to tell you a story or, right. to, you know, you to feel in a certain type of way, or if you're already feeling that way, we want to, you know what I'm saying, let you know that we can relate to it and so forth. Mm-hmm. Wow. Interesting. I love it. I love it. We're going to take mm-hmm. a brief break. We're going to play a little bit of Superstar K's music, and then we're going to be back to talk that talk. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
a cigarette from off the floor. I still smell the tension in the room. Guess you don't want this anymore. I still think you're coming home soon. Another fight and yeah, it's ugly. Hearts on flames, there's some things you never said. I won't do that shit again. Where I wanna fix it. Something seems different. Guess your heart and bought another ticket, baby. Don't you hang out? Go blind when these see they stop and stare. Diamonds on diamonds. 
popping right, we need you to put a song on there called 31 Flavors. That's going to be the Let's Chat album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We so appreciate you coming to kick in with us in the chat room. We want you to shout out all of your social media where everyone can get your music and any events you have coming up. Okay. Um, on May 22nd, I'll be at Columbus, Ohio. Um, I'm performing out there at the FED, whatever. Um, so I got that going. Um, I'll be doing a couple of open mics in Pittsburgh over the next couple of weeks because I want to, like, it's been a while since I've performed, um, so I definitely want to get that done. But anybody that would like to hear the music, anybody that like to work with me, keep up with what's going on with me, whatever, or even let me know what's going on with you, if I can give you any tips, pointers, anything, you can get at me on Facebook. I'm Superstar K on there. On Twitter, I am official SSK. And on Snapchat, I I do a lot of uh, mini clips on there and give out random tips. I'm the 11th Chicky Nugget on Snapchat. Yeah. (laughs) Now listen, (laughs) now listen, listen. We're going to have to talk about this thing called branding. And you got to be consistent, honey. You got to be consistent across the board now. So we're going to need you to tighten some of those social media. My names are all the same on there. They are, when you look up Superstar K, they all come up, whatever. It's just, uh, for Snapchat, it's more for personal use. And whereas oh, okay. uh, Facebook and Twitter are for business. But my Superstar K name, whatever, was taken. I don't know how, but it was taken. So my Facebook, whatever, it goes, like, by my actual stage name. It doesn't go by, you know, like a username. So it has to be Superstar oh, K on there. And then I had to put official SSK for the Twitter. But everything else, there is Superstar oh, wow. K. Like, when you look it up, Apple anything else that ever um what is it tumblr and reddit all that yeah spotify everything else superstar k all right all right all right well we appreciate you and you know you are always welcome back anytime because when you're ready you welcome back too we need you to get your two songs so get your two songs for them yep. don't be letting them fly <laughs> because <laughs> no after more. a while he's gonna be, be trying to charge it. you you better get them now <laughs> Coming to kick it with us here in the chat room. 
Uh, happy Valentine's Day, y'all. Happy Valentine's Day. We don't have a show for tomorrow because uh, T is wife 101, so she got to have time with her boo. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Lee. But we will see you we, guys. We appreciate that. I'm talking I'm talking including Mr. Boo. We appreciate that. <laughs> I was wondering how I was wondering how it's gonna work it, girl. <laughs> no ma'am, no ma'am. <laughs> we so appreciate y'all. We're gonna let y'all go. We're gonna play a dream as we head on out of the chat room and we will see y'all next week. Enjoy your weekend. Happy Valentine's Day. You see it, T? Yep, it started.